Hey, uh, today our uh, kids are helping us to uh, serve, so let's give all of our kids a hand for serving us today. My kids have been sick all week, and uh, I'm glad to be here, actually. (laughs) I mean, I'm always glad to be here, but I'm really glad that their mom is at home with them. So, pray for Jen. Okay. Um, I want to begin this morning uh, by bouncing an idea off of you that I read about this week about life and uh, time management. And here's kind of the big idea that we're going to use as our focus time uh, this morning. Everything that we do with our time is kind of motivated in one of two ways. And the author that I was uh, reading said this, we are either motivated to move toward gain or to prevent pain. That we're motivated to either move toward gain or to prevent pain. And if you would, what I'd like you to do is to turn to the person beside you and uh, check out to see if you agree with this or don't. Okay? So go ahead and talk to the person beside you. Do you agree with this or do you disagree? Now, I know some of you right now are going... Did you get another donut for me? No, but... Hey, how many of you would agree with that? Raise your hand. Okay. How many would disagree with that? Raise your hand. Okay. Just a couple. All right. Well, uh, the author, he, he continues on, and, and he says this, that many of our lives, the things that we do with our time is actually spent preventing pain. Because those things that are an urgency uh, to them, those things that if we don't do them today, if they're not on our to-do list, there's going to be some pain attached to it, that there's going to be some consequence uh, to that. And one of the things that I've realized is that as I've played this out this week, I think it's been pretty true. For instance... April 15th is coming up, and what happens on April 15th? Some of you are like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, April 15th is coming no matter what, and you're going to have to pay your taxes. So do you pay your taxes to prevent pain or for gain? To prevent pain, right? That's why you do it. You, You don't want the IRS guy coming to your door knocking on it and saying, hey, uh, I want to have a little talk with you. Okay? Here's another one. Every single Thursday, I take our trash to the curb, and uh, Thursday afternoon, the sanitation workers come, and they remove our trash. And why do you think I do that? Because I value my marriage. Okay? <laughs> That's why I do that, because I value my marriage. 
I don't want to have pain in my marriage, so it's my job, and that's what I do. I take the trash out. Now, the things in life that bring us the greatest amount of joy, those are the things that move us toward gain. But we can put them off if there is no urgency attached to them, if there's no consequence that we have to have on that day. Uh, Some of you, for instance, you would love to climb a mountain, maybe Mount Everest or Mount Kilimanjaro. Others of you would like to design your own house. Others of you would like to go back to school. Others of you would like to uh, take up a musical instrument of some kind. But there's really no urgency to it. I mean, if you wake up the next morning and you haven't done those things, there's no issue to that. But that's where you might lose some of your joy, too. For instance, uh, let's say that you decide to get your kids together, and if you decided, hey, you know what, we're going to go on a ski trip as a family. And so you get in the car and you head to Michigan. And it takes you seven hours to get there in a car with your kids. Then you get to the tow rope that they tell you is real easy to put your hands on, and you go up the bunny hill, and you get to the top, and your gloves are ripped to shreds. And then let's say that you uh, are freezing to death, and then you fall down a hundred times that day, and you have pain in places you didn't realize there was pain before. Now, if all of that happens, folks, there'll be a little pain associated to that. But I guarantee that the memory that your kids would have of that particular event would last a lifetime. You can think of a thousand different reasons why you should not get in a car and go to Michigan to go skiing. But it's great game. Friends, the things of great gain are the things that you're going to remember one day when you're in a nursing home and you're in a wheelchair and you're over in the corner with oatmeal that you're feeding yourself all by yourself. The things you're going to remember, folks, are the things of great gain. You're not going to remember the to-do list that you had to take care of. You're going to remember the things that impacted your life that moved toward great gain. If you would, I'd like us to uh, look at the side screens for a second. There's a scripture that's going to come up in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. And it says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now what I want you to focus on is that number eleven. Eleven disciples. What's wrong with that number? Yeah, it's supposed to be 12. So, why isn't it? It's it's one short. Why is that? I mean, there had always been 12 disciples before. But one of them, one of their own number, one of their own posse, had defected. And I was thinking about it this week, that I've never been in the military before, but I have friends that have been. And they'll talk about their units that go and they're deployed somewhere for years at a time. And they talk about the brotherhood that they connect. And there were these 12 guys for three years they had spent together on a mission. And 
one of them defected. And when that happened, I bet it must have felt like an amputation to them. Because Jesus duped them to their face. And likely, he's already committed suicide and he's already hung himself. And for those of you who have gone through the pain and the hurt of seeing a friend take their own life or going through the suicide of someone, you know how complicated that grieving process is and how it raises questions that can last a lifetime. So one of their guys is gone, and then on top of all of that, Jesus comes to them, and he's risen from the dead, but he is only with them for a short period amount of time, and then he is leaving. He's going to be gone. They will not see him again in flesh. And I'm convinced that these 11 guys, as all of this is going on, they are minimizing their pain. They are at minimized pain mode these days. I mean, I have a feeling they're just kind of like this. Give me a remote in one hand, give me a cold drink in another, put American Idol on the TV, and I'm fine. You know, like they just don't want to deal with life. I don't want to move toward great gain. I want to minimize my pain. And then Jesus comes along and he gives them a challenge. It's his final words. It's the last words that he gives before he ascends to heaven. And final words, folks, if you've ever been with someone, final words are important words. Parting words are significant words. And I want us to read out loud together Jesus' final words. In Matthew chapter 28, he says this. Let's read it together, out loud. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. With those words right there, Jesus unleashed these guys. He unleashed them to go. And he said, go spread my love. Go spread my hope. Go spread my peace. Go spread my purpose in life to people who are far from me. And I just want you to know, folks, that these were unlikely candidates. These were not the people that you would have chosen to go and to change the world. They were uneducated men. Many of them were very rough. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors, IRS agents. And they would not have been your hand-picked people. But you know what? They changed the world. 2,000 years from that point, we still are talking about them. Now again, folks, these were ordinary men. They were uneducated folks. But you know what they did? They had incredible love for people. Extravagant love that they placed out. Even to the point to where all 11 of them either died or John himself 
actually was placed off into an island by himself. So ten people give their lives for extravagant love, for great gain, for the world. And they turn the world upside down. And the reality is, folks, you would not even be sitting in this place listening to my voice if it wasn't for those 11 guys. And the risk that they took For great gain. Now these words of Jesus are are known as the Great Commission. And they are really at the heart of what the jar is all about. And as I've been praying about the new year and and God wanting us to be unleashed, to, to grow and unleashed, to care for people, and unleashed to now take some greater risk, I really sense that God is saying to us, jarheads, I want you to raise the level of risk relationally in your lives. I want you to raise the risk associated with building relationships with people who are far from God. In Muncie, and Delaware County, all of East Central Indiana. Because, friends, deep at the heart of the DNA of the jar is a conviction that we love people. We love all people. Any size, any shape, your economics does not matter, your education does not matter. We love people because that's what the leader told us to do. And we'll love them at all costs. Spiritually disconnected people who are away from Christ. That our whole goal is that if we love them enough, and if we just keep loving them, that eventually they'll learn to know the one who knows them best and loves them most. The highest cause, folks, on planet Earth is not those causes that you get on Facebook. Okay? Nothing wrong with Facebook causes. I like them myself. I have some causes in my, in my own life. But the greatest cause for greatest gain, the cause of greatest gain is this, to love people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the greatest gain you'll ever have in your life to love someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, folks, people matter to God. And if people matter to God, then people have to matter to us. And we must be willing to raise the level of risk to build relationships with people who are far from God. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but this life, folks, is not about you. Max Lucado wrote a book called It's Not About You. And if you haven't read that book, I'd encourage you to do so. Some of you need to read that. No, I'm joking. But it's not about you. This life is not about you. This life is about investing in people who are disconnected from God so that they might have life beyond this life. And this church, folks, called The Jar, is not about Chris Bunch. I'm not the the face of this church. 
If Chris Bunch was no longer around, this church should continue to function exactly the same way that we're trying right now. And that is to reach out to people and let them know that God is amazingly in love with them. And we've got to take risks to do that. We've got to increase our level of risk to introduce people into a relationship with the one who knows them best and loves them most. Folks, as long as you would keep me as your pastor, the jar will never be a place that just goes through the motions. We will always be a place that does not play it safe, but we do anything that we can to try to reach people who are disconnected from God. I mean, we are on a search and rescue mission, folks, because people matter to God. You know, I was thinking about it this week that I'm not so concerned that God is not going to raise his relational risk to reach people for him because he's done that his entire life, his entire existence. He's always been about people. And I'm really not that concerned about the jar and this church raising relational risks to reach out to people who are disconnected from God because you guys have always been about that. But I've been thinking about it lately that that my greatest concern is that Chris Bunch, that he might not raise the risk in his own life to reach out to people who are disconnected from Christ in the church. That's my really big concern that I've been praying about lately. The biggest concern that I have is that I might just drive by my neighbor's house and pull my car into the garage and put the door down and isolate myself from everyone else that's around me. My biggest concern is that I'll never knock on a door, that I'll never extend a hand, that I'll never have a significant conversation, that I'll never invite people into my house to have a meal with them. And the worst part is that maybe I would never feel guilty about that. My concern is that I can become so absorbed with church work 50 hours a week or more some weeks, planning and praying and studying and meeting and counseling and encouraging that I would never take the risk for the people that live behind doors in my own neighborhood. And the reality is, I was thinking about it this week, that I actually could become the chief hypocrite of this church if I choose not to take risk and personally raise the level of risk in reaching out to my neighbors. I mean, I can stand up here and I can tell you guys, hey, raise the risk. Reach out to your neighbors. Extend a hand of friendship. Knock on somebody's door. But I may not do anything personally myself, and if I don't, then that's the challenge, folks, that I struggle with every day. But you know what? So do you. So do you. 
You know, it really doesn't matter, folks, how much we as a church raise the relational risk of reaching out to people who are disconnected from God. But what really matters are you personally taking risk to reach out to people who are disconnected from Christ. Folks, people matter to God, but the question that I've been asking myself lately is do people matter to me? Do people matter to you? Now, I know right now as I've kind of challenged you and talked to you about raising the level of risk, especially with your neighbors, that some of you might be saying, you don't know who my neighbor is. I mean, I've done that thing you've asked me to do before, and it was like the creature of the Black Lagoon was on the other side of that door. And scary. Now, I know that we live in a time in which we need to be careful. We live in a dangerous world. We've got to protect our kids. But this is also what I've found in my life. Every time that I have taken the risk to knock on a door in my neighborhood, I've found that behind every door, there's a story. Think about that. Behind every single door, there's a story to be told. Again, Jesus said these words, Go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. And a more literal translation of that word go in the Greek actually means as you're going. So as you're living your life, as you're living your life in the neighborhood, at the park, in your workplace, at the ball game, at the beauty salon, as you go, live your life in such a way that people eventually would want to know who is the one that you are following. And maybe even one day, they may want to follow that person too. Because behind every single door, folks, there's a story. Now, in my world right now, in my kind of where I'm at in my stage of life, my greatest opportunity to reach out to people is to my neighbors. I mean, I don't know if you knew this or not, but most of my coworkers are Christians. I said most. No, I'm joking. So for me, the greatest investment that I can have is with my neighbors. And uh, my wife and I and uh, our kids, every night we have a couple of neighbors that we pray for them. And we've knocked on doors. And uh, I've helped shovel snow, take uh, trash cans uh, up for them when they've left them at the bottom. And we've started building a relationship and uh, connecting with them in a little way. But I want you to know, folks, that every single time I go over to their house, it is a risk for me. I don't go over there like Superman. I go over there like a little kitty cat, just hoping that the people actually like me. Now, maybe you have greater self-esteem than I do, but that's kind of me. But we have to raise a risk. Now, I know for many of you, for your area of where you could connect with people, it's not going to be in your neighborhood. 
But for you, it's going to be your coworkers. Did you realize that most of you who work, that you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family? You spend more time with your coworkers than you do your own family. And if you're going to spend that much time with them, don't just see them as a person that I work with. See them as a person who you can show God's amazing love to and take a risk to reach out to them. This morning I want to uh, have you hear a story of risk, a story of two different people, one who is a Christ follower and one who is disconnected from God. And how the Christ follower took a risk and knocked on a door and learned a story and prayed daily and finally found her co-worker go from simply being a co-worker to a friend to a sister in Christ. And so if you would, I'd uh, ask you to uh, help me to welcome Stephanie Johnson and Rhonda Lehman. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We're you glad did... you're here too. Oh, yeah. thanks. That's nice. Okay, well, uh, this is Stephanie and this is Rhonda. And uh, Stephanie, uh, I wondered if you could kind of talk a little bit of how you first kind of connected and started building your relationship uh, with Rhonda. Sure, yeah. Um, Rhonda and I, we work together um, at Mutual Bank down here um, in the downtown area. And really at the beginning, I just knew her, um, just through casual conversation, the, hello, how are you, good, how are you, good, yeah, uh-huh. okay, bye. <laughs> so really, I, I didn't really know her too well, um, but just from the few interactions that we had, I could tell um, that she was just going through a lot of pain in her life, that, um, that she was just struggling in a few areas like we all do. Um, but at the meantime, I had been coming here to the JAR for a couple of years, and I had been baptized by you. And I knew that through the relationship that I had developed with Christ and the freedom um, from my past that came with that and um, how the guilt you know, was washed away from me. And so it was a new year here at the JAR, and the 111 campaign was starting, which was you pray for one person um, for one minute at 1 p.m. each day. And Chris had asked us um, that Sunday um, to pray and have God put that person on your heart. Um, So I did. I was sitting in those chairs, and I prayed, and God put the vision of um, Rhonda's little face in my head. And so I got up, and I wrote her name on the wall, and I wrote her name on this little 111 card, and I kept it at my desk at work um, because I always wanted her and her life to be at the forefront of my mind. Throughout the day. And uh, I I feel like I wouldn't be doing you justice if I didn't tell you that. When I went to practice the interview with them at the bank, um, Stephanie had this, and you didn't do it just because I was coming, right? No. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, She had this little, uh, I don't know what, like a clip, and it had the card on it with Rhonda's name on and it had the name of another person that she's still praying for. And uh, she pulled that out, and I was like, wow. You know, it was really, really cool. So 
so you kind of write her name down on this card, and uh, you start praying for her. You put it on a poster board. And then what kind of happened next? I did. So at first I just prayed for her. Um, just started off with that, and then I just wanted to start reaching out to her more, letting her know that, you know, I cared about her, and I wanted to actually, like, invest in her and her life, that I wasn't just wanting to have a, a casual conversation with her, that I wanted to, you know, really get to know her. When I asked her questions about her and her life, that I wanted her to know that I was there to listen and to be a friend to her, so I just um, just started investing in her that way. Um, and then after a while, I got the courage up to ask her if she went to a church, and she said she didn't. So I was like, game on, sister. <laughs> no. You but didn't then, really say that. I didn't. Okay, really good, good. Don't do that if yeah. you... Uh, Not your face, no. <laughs> but then in the programs here at church, we get um, invite cards every once in a while where we can go and give them out to people, and they know that they're invited here to come. And so I would do that. I would take the invite cards and just put them on her desk randomly at work. And when she was there, when she wasn't there, she'd come back to her desk and there would be a new invite card for her all the time. Okay. So, uh, Rhonda, when Stephanie first started kind of reaching out to you and you started getting all these cards on your desk to come to this strange place called The Jar, um, what did you kind of think about that? I thought she was a very kind and loving person, and as time went by and the cards kept showing up on my desk, uh, I appreciated her love for God and just her power and the love of everything that she done with it. So uh, you get these ten cards or so that are kind of there uh, inviting you, and um, I guess, Rhonda, you know, if you can, if you can go back to that time and place what was your life like at that time I was a very numb person be time of 16 I was sexually abused and beaten Uh, I started drinking and doing drugs if a person handed me something I possibly done it but it was just it was horrible I uh, was empty and was needing something to fix it so you feel this numbness, you're just kind of going through the motions, kind of feeling emptiness, um, and then Stephanie kind of came in uh, to your life. Well, Steph, um, I know you started praying for uh, Rhonda, and I'm sure like what, a couple weeks she came to Christ? Yeah, it was like um, time. Yeah. Just like that? <laughs> no, not exactly. It's actually, it took a couple 111 campaigns. So about a year and a half, and I just, next year came around, and I put her name back on a card and put it back up on the wall. I was, um, I wanted uh, her to know that I was dedicated to um, her and um, seeing it through. But um, last Easter, actually, was when I, I spoke a little bit at church, and after I got off stage, I went back to my seat, and I saw her face there um, for the first time. So that was really special that she had come that day, and it was Easter Sunday, and, and she kept coming after that, and I could really see how... Um, just could see how God was starting to move in her life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Easter Sunday comes, there's an invite, you get here. And um, I wonder, Rhonda, what made you decide to kind of try the whole God and, and church thing? I just had my a feeling that I needed to show up. My heart was reaching out, and so I got up and I came in. Uh, funny thing is about that day 
is I woke up late, realized what time it was, brushed my teeth, got dressed, and didn't leave, and didn't take a shower, which is awful. <laughs> but you smell wonderful today. Oh, so. thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so you rush, you come, and uh, no shower, but you're here. And then I know Stephanie is as Rhonda's story progressed, that um, something pretty cool happened this summer, and uh, not just for Rhonda, but for you also, and wondered if you could share that a little bit. Yeah, something did really cool happen. Um, God moved, and Rhonda got baptized this last summer at Prairie Creek, and it was just the best day. It was just a beautiful day outside, I remember, and I was on the beach, and I was watching her get baptized and crying and um, just so thankful that God had moved in her life and, you know, that I just persevered and kept praying for her and um, just knew, like, her life was going to change at that moment. And I'll never forget about that day, looking at her, you know, throughout the day and through um, the barbecue afterwards, that just the joy on her face, and you could just tell, you could see it that God just washed over her and took the guilt and the pain away from her and freed her from, like, um, from bringing them up in her mind all the time. And I'm just so thankful for her. And, you know, now after that day that, you know, she's my sister in Christ for eternity. Yeah. 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 How cool. And I love that picture. Uh, Now they took it down. But um, I'm sure they'll (laughs) bring it back up. There was just, I I remember that day, Rhonda, and how cool that was. But what was your memory of that day? And uh, what was, um, how's your life changed uh, since that day? August 12th has changed my life greatly. That day I was washed away with all my sins and my past. Uh, Today I still do not have that. I do not seek revenge for the people that done the things to me. My family was there, and of course, Steph and my other loved ones. Uh, I just, I wanted to change, and that's why I done it. The love for God just took over me, and it, it's just powerful. Yeah. Very yeah. powerful. The only thing is, the day when you was holding my hand, I don't remember one word that you said. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, Rhonda. Most of the time, that's the way it is with a lot of people, I think, so... Um, well, hey, would you join me in thanking Rhonda and Stephanie for saying this story? You know, folks, until the, uh, until the day I die, I'll never get tired of stories like that. Stories of people who raise a relational risk in their own life and who reach out to somebody and say, I'll make them more than just a co-worker, more than just a neighbor. I'll actually build a friendship with them. And to see that friend then become a person who follows God that loves them. I just think about on that Easter Sunday, when Rhonda walked through those doors for the first time, not knowing, and God just kind of came down and surprised her. 
And that's what we want to happen. I don't care necessarily. I honestly don't. Whether you hear and remember everything about what I say here on Sunday, I don't even care if, uh, if I'm the one that's doing it. What I care about is that you listen to God's voice that says, I love you, and because I love you, I want you to raise the relational risk in your life. Many of you, I guarantee, will remember the day that uh, you came into these doors for the first time. The reason is, is because some of you came kicking and screaming. You weren't so sure that you wanted to be in this place. But the reason that you're still here is because God somehow surprised you. And you're here because your soul has been softened. And your heart is no longer hardened. And here, God got your attention. And here, maybe you stepped across the line of faith. And here, maybe you got baptized. And here, you were taught. And here, you discovered that I have a gift that I can use for the glory of God. And here, you became a follower, a disciple of the Most High God. And it's not an understatement to say that many of you would say it was in then this gymnasium in which God surprised me and changed me and touched my life. It happened in a gym. But just imagine this. Imagine that hundreds and hundreds of people in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Indiana might actually say, God didn't necessarily change my life in a gym. God changed my life in my workplace because someone chose to reach out to me. God changed my life at the workout center because someone invested in me. God changed my life at the beauty salon because someone befriended me. God changed my life in my neighborhood because my neighbor cared enough to go and to knock on my door. And it all began on the day in which someone took a walk across the room, or they walked into an office, or they extended a hand of friendship, and they said, Hi, my name's Stephanie. Hi, my name's Chris. And then you listened to their story. Friends, I really believe that this can happen but you've got to take the relational risk. And we've got to believe that behind every door is a story. Jesus said this, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, because they have a God who loves them more than they will ever know. Baptizing them in the name of the Son. Because Jesus went to a great extent. He paid a great price because of that person. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, because that neighbor or co-worker or friend or family member has a God that wants to walk with them through every experience of their life. Friends, I long for the day I really do. I long for the day that at least for every single person in this gym, that you would have just one person who you, risk, who you took a risk for, a person who you knocked on a door for, 
a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, who you loved enough and you accepted enough and you never gave up on. I long for the experience that you guys could have, just like Stephanie did, that you could have the experience that one day you would see your friend or your coworker or your neighbor baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is great gain. It's the greatest accomplishment of my life is when I've been able to help navigate people towards the one who loves them. But you've got to raise the risk. You've got to raise the relational risk in your life that, and believe that behind every door, there's a story. Now here's the good news if you take this challenge. You don't do it alone. Look at what Jesus says, his last parting words. He says this, And surely I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. He says, I will be with you. I will give you power. I will give you the words to say. If you're an introvert, I'll help you know how to say something. If you're an extrovert, I'll tell you to shut up. In spite of your faults, in spite of your failures, he says the Holy Spirit will be with you. Now, if you would, when you walked in today, you should have received a card that uh, looked like this on the sidewalk or on the screens there. There's not a sidewalk. I know that. But there's a card, and it looks like this. If you could pull that out. Once you pulled it out, if you could just hold it up. That way I know you'll have it. Now, when Mikey did this this week, and he was like, hey, I got this really cool design for the 111 thing, I looked at it, and I was like, it's a puzzle. What are you doing with a puzzle? Now, it actually looks like a 111 if you look. Can everybody see that? I didn't see it. So, And what I'd like you to do is in just a second, I'm going to give us a moment, and I'm going to pray that God would reveal a name to you of a person who's disconnected from Christ or the church that's far from God that you could begin to start praying for. And what we'd like you to do is to put your first name and your last name on this card and just the first name of whoever that person is. And then when you're ready, uh, after you spend some time in prayer, we'd like you to take this card... And I'd like you to go over to these poster boards. And before you uh, write on it, that you take the card, and there's a little jar right here, because we're the jar. (laughs) And you put the card uh, inside that, and then you'll just write uh, the person's name up on this board, just like I'm doing right now. And what we'd like you to do is to leave the card there because what we're going to do is we're going to get them laminated so it looks like really cool. And we will mail that to you personally so that you'll have that card and you can put it in your wallet or your purse or whatever and you can be praying for that person. And then monthly I'll send uh, kind of a video update to 
just kind of encourage you guys in that process. Because the reality is, folks, part of God's vision for your life is for you to reach out to people who are far from him. And what I want you to do right now is we're going to spend a little time in prayer and I'm going to ask that God would reveal the name, the picture of the person that he wants you to pray for. And then after I'm done with my prayer, I would just challenge you, just like people did in the first celebration, to go over to pick up a marker, put the card in the jar, and just write that person's first name down. And maybe you'll have the experience like Stephanie did. That you'll pray for them. And when you go over and you write that name, there'll be a day in which that person shows up maybe at church. But more importantly, that there'll be a day in which that person gives their life to the one who knows them best and loves them most. Raise the risk today. Raise the relational risk. Let's pray. Loving God, we uh, thank you so much for the fact that you took a risk on for us. And God, we know that part of the vision that you have for each person's life who is in this place is that they would reach out to somebody who's disconnected from you. I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal, that you would put the picture of the person's face in people's minds right now. And then give them the courage, God, to actually walk across this gym floor to put the card in the jar to write that person's name down. And God, I'm praying in advance for the names that will be placed on that poster paper. That God, that we would see in days or weeks or months or like Stephanie and Rhonda, a couple of years, that we would see individuals come to you and that their life would be changed for eternity because their friend or their neighbor or their coworker on January 27th of 2013 took the guts, the relational risk to write their name down and to pray for them each day and build a relationship with them. And so God, I pray now that you would do your work, reveal those names. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once you're done with that, just come back to your seat and we'll close with the song. And if you didn't get a card, uh, Sarah is right up here, and she can give a card to anyone that needs one.
stay with us as we sing this song. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation.
That there might be some of you here and you're like, I think I'm a one, one, one person. And guess what? You might be. And yesterday, I, uh, I had a funeral of a guy named Bob Wrench. And uh, he had a bucket list of people that he was praying for. People he put their names on that wall. And he saw three, four, five people come to Christ because he prayed and invested in them. I don't know about you. I just don't think I want to get to the end of my life and not have the experience of there being some real life change in people's life. And if you're here for the first time and you're just like, hey, this whole thing is new to me. We believe in the truth in this place that Jesus Christ said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we believe in this place that it would be like us having the cure for AIDS and we didn't give it to the rest of the world. And so if you're here today and you're just checking this God thing out, we want you to know that there is a scripture and it says this. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. And we're praying for that day. We're praying for the day that you open the door and you say yes to the one who knows you best and loves you most. Let's pray. And if the prayer team would come up, if you'd like prayer for anything after the celebration, please feel free to come up. Well, God, I thank you so much for unleashing your son from heaven to take a risk and to move us toward great gain. God, help us to take a risk to reach out to this person now that we placed on this poster paper. 
Help us to invest in their life. And God, for those who are here maybe for the first time or they're just checking this whole God thing out, I pray right now that they would sense you knocking on the door of their life. I pray that they would open that door. I pray that they would let you in. I pray that they would ask you, Jesus, to be the leader and forgiver of their life. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is present and moving. Would you grow us as a church to know how to love people like you love them so that lives could be changed for eternity? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up. And if you're new today, please get your guest connection free bag uh, over there in the corner. Have a great week, everybody.